she need help up yeah, the <laughs> Oh, no, I'll probably just knock it over and spill it anyway. So. <laughs> Okay, I have to use this. Um, we just sang that I get, I'm gonna start crying. I hate this about when I talk. Anyway, okay, I'm back together now. Um, we just sang that we get to love him through whatever happens. I think sometimes we sing songs because they're awesome and we don't really pay attention to what we're saying. This has nothing to do with my talk, I'm telling you anyway. Um, because we just sang, we get to love you through whatever comes. Do you really do that? I'm going to tell you a story. Again, nothing to do with this talk. <laughs> it does, though. Actually, thanks. The Lord just told me. It does. This morning, so I'm up here talking, um, and standing in front of people talking doesn't really bother me. What makes me nervous about it is I'm supposed to actually tell you something, and I want to think that I will do a good job. That's what makes me nervous. Can I do a good job? giving you the information. So because I'm supposed to talk today, you know, I got up a little earlier. I actually washed my hair today. You know, that kind of stuff. It was all planned out. I was going to be here a few minutes early instead of a few minutes late. The whole thing. So I, my husband has this thing. Every time I leave the house, he asks me questions. And so then all of a sudden, it's like, honey, I'm late. So I jump in my car. I take off. I'm about a half a mile from my house. And I realize I left my notes at home. So I turn around and go back. <laughs> I turn around and go back, and I'm laughing. It's like, Lord, thanks. Um, life is going to happen today. I'm going to get up here and talk today, whether I had my notes or not. I could have gotten all the way here and realized I didn't have them. It's going to happen, and I don't need to worry. Can I, that song, can I love God when I'm thinking, what the heck? I have to be there. I'm going to be late. Anyway, nothing. Just thought I'd throw that in. But we just all sang that. So all day today, I want you to remember, when anything happens, you're making something, you reach in the cupboard, and you're just out of it. <gasps> Can you love God in that situation? Or are you like, Ugh. And then you tell yourself, later, you're supposed to love God. We are need to love God. We just sang that we want to do that. We sang that it's a privilege that we get to love God in any situation. So that's one of my challenges for you today is that we actually do that. It's actually just a challenge for me. And interestingly enough, while we're singing that song, God rearranged my whole talk. So you are now getting version B, because he rearranged the whole thing. Anyway, we are wrapping up Genesis. We are on the last chapters, and I get to wrap that up for you. And I think, anyway, I have loved this study. I don't know about you, but I have totally loved talking about all these things in the study. And I'm going to tell you that famous line that Joseph said, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. I think that is the theme of this whole book. Um, and I get to talk about it. So let's go back. We started with the creation. We saw all that happen. And we heard the plan. The seed of the woman is going to crush his head. He's going to bruise the man's heel. But why is all that happening? So man will be redeemed. We saw the plan right at the beginning with creation. Then we moved on and we saw the whole thing with Noah. And we heard we got a covenant. 
Never again will I use a flood to wipe out, to destroy the earth or to wipe out all flesh on the earth. Never again will I do that. And he even gave us a cute little rainbow to remind us. Another challenge. Do you ever think of that when you see a rainbow? Does that come to your mind? That's what it's up there for, to remind us. We need to remember those things. So then we move on um, after Noah, and we come to that great story about those people that decided to build the tower to the heavens and make a name for themselves. And God's like, "Mm mm-mm. And it's not like he was against man achieving. He was against man achieving evil. Um, because he realized, oh my gosh, they can get together and do whatever they want, and they tend to do bad things. So he went down, and he thwarted that whole thing. He dispersed them. He changed their language so they didn't all understand each other, and he now dispersed them so they can't all come together. Then we move on, and we begin the stories of this family, starting with Abraham. And we hear the covenant, the promise that he makes to Abraham. And this says, and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And so that, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, there's his covenant with Abraham. And in you... All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Then we move along in the story, and we get to Isaac. And he has his Isaac, and God says he wants him to sacrifice him. And so he takes him up, and he does the sacrifice, and God stops him. And again, God says, Myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, I will bless you and greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So again, we get the blessing because of these covenants that we're reading about in the Old Testament. So then we moved on and we learned all about Isaac. And then we moved on and we learned all about Jacob. (laughs) Jacob is a piece of work. Um, First of all, he's a deceiver. He stole his brother's birthright. Then he was humbled by his father-in-law. And he ended up with four wives and 12 sons and all the chaos that came with that. And then we saw the whole story of Joseph and how his brother sold him off as a slave. And ultimately, he ended up saving everyone because um, God gave them the interpretation of the dreams. He was able to set up that whole system, seven years of plenty where they saved all the grain and then seven years of famine. And in that time of famine, he is reunited with his family. Um, through all that stuff. Ultimately, the whole family moves to Egypt. And when they're in Egypt, they're living in Goshen. Yeah. And the whole family is treated with respect because of who Joseph is, and they are given all this land, and then they prosper, and things are great. And so we move along. It said that uh, Jacob lived there for 17 years. So 17 years have gone by. They've been living, prospering, having a great time. Towards the end of his life, we pick this up now in chapter 48. It's towards the end of his life, and he's sick. So Joseph gets his two sons and goes to visit him. And his two sons are not little kids, but they're they're probably not over 20, if you kind of keep track of the numbers. Anyway, he brings his two sons. Manasseh was the oldest, Ephraim was the youngest. 
goes to visit him. I think it's interesting. The first thing that Jacob does is basically adopts his two grandsons. And he says, these two guys are now going to be my sons. Joseph, you can claim everybody after them. You can claim from grandkids on or yours, but I get these two boys, and they are going to be treated as though they are one of my sons. So essentially now he has 14 sons. They're going to be on the same level with all the sons. They're going to be on the same level with the sons when they inherit whatever they're going to inherit, but he has now adopted those two boys as his sons, and he's claiming them. Um, and then which if you're reading through that story, I think it's interesting because then it's like, and who are these two guys? And he's like, it's them. It's them, dad. It's your two grandsons. So anyway, he wants to bless them. And again, we see this interesting thing that happens in this interesting family. Joseph brings them over to his father to give them, so he can give them a blessing. Remember, Manasseh is the oldest one. If Ephraim is the youngest one. And he walks them up to his dad so that Manasseh will be on the side with Jacob's right hand. Because your right hand is the one that you do the major blessing with. The one usually reserved for your oldest child who is going to get the main blessing. And your left hand is for the other kids who get the other blessing. So he literally walks them up to his dad so that Manasseh is on Jacob's right-hand side and Ephraim is on his left-hand side. And what does he do when he gives him his blessing? He crosses his hands and he puts his right hand on Ephraim and his left hand on Manasseh and gives him a blessing. And Joseph, it says, even is unhappy with this and tries to move his hands physically. And he's like, no, 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 I know exactly what I'm doing. Manasseh's going to turn out to be a great guy. He's going to have a great life. But Ephraim is going to be the leader. Ephraim is the one that is going to get the blessing of as the oldest. So again, we see this theme being carried on. Then, interestingly enough, again, he favors Joseph in all the brothers are going to get an inheritance, all the brothers are going to get a blessing, but he gives an extra one to Joseph, some mountain that he took at some point with the sword, it said, so he had to take it, um, he gives to him. Something extra that he did not give to his other sons. So this whole thing about favoritism is continuing on the whole time. So he gives him an extra blessing. A thing that's interesting about this story in chapter 48 is, which I never paid attention to, but if you look at the 12 tribes later, you're reading about the 12 tribes, Ephraim, Ephraim and Manasseh are part of the 12 tribes. They are part of, they, too, they are two of the 12 tribes. Joseph never was one of the tribes. He's not part of that group. He had his own land, and he had a great life, but he was not part of the 12 tribes, uh, mostly, partly because he also died in Egypt. He never left again um, when he was alive. So he's not part of the 12 tribes. And then I'm looking. It's like, wait, now there's 13, though. So what happened to the other ones? So we find that out <laughs> In the next chapter, but they are, those two are considered part of the 12 tribes. And if you look at maps and look at all their tribes and where their lands are, you will see Ephraim and Manasseh, but you will never see Joseph because he was not considered one of the, he wasn't considered one of those 12 tribes that carried on. Um, and so I, that just historically, I thought was very interesting. So now Jacob is dying and he wants to bless all his sons and he brings them all together 
so that he can give them all a blessing. Um, and I think it's interesting that in the very first sentence, oh, sorry, I have to get my thing on. Uh, I have to read this. This is, I'm not good with doing all this. I need a third hand. Okay. Um, in the beginning of chapter 49, it says, Then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you what shall happen to you in days to come. Assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. I think it's really interesting that he identifies as both Jacob and Israel. He is well aware of the Jacobness in him, the deceiver, the guy who made poor choices, but he's also well aware of the Israel in him who is following and believing God. And he's also, as he goes through his sons, is aware of both those influences on his sons. I think it's also interesting as you read through all that he says to his sons, that he actually knows his sons. He might have made poor choices in his life. He might even be the influence on his son that caused them to make poor choices, but he is very well aware of who his sons are. And I also think it's interesting that nowhere in here does someone go, well, that's not me. Everybody else knows who they are too. So I thought, I wondered if I could do that with my own kids. Could I not necessarily give them a blessing, but could I tell my kids who I think they are, and because of who I think they are, where I think they could be going with those characteristics. Um, or if you don't have kids, anybody in your family, or any, anyone that you're close to, do we know people well enough to really see who they are, and see what their strong points and their weak points are? Um, and do we need to wait till after they die to say nice things about them? Can't we tell them to their face right now? You know, this is what I've seen in you. Um, that's so cool. And this is what you could do with it. Especially to young children. I've always said that I think that thing in your kids that annoys you is gonna be their superpower. And your job is to be that mentor that teach them, teaches them not to fly into buildings. Your job is to teach them how to use it safely. Um, because a lot of times that, that thing is really who they are and they just need to learn how to use it well so they don't fly into buildings. And um, so I thought it was interesting that then uh, he went through all of his sons and told them, and originally I was gonna go through all that and explain all it to you and I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, I think it's really interesting and it's something to look at, and what I think is interesting, if you want to take that on as a challenge to look at that and look in commentaries, is how much of what he said came true later, and it's in scripture and shows how what he said came true about them. Um, I just thought that was way cool. So anyway, after he blesses them, um, Jacob then dies, and he had had them promise that they would take him back to Canaan and bury him there, not bury him in Egypt. And so Pharaoh gave Joseph permission, and he took it back, and it's a huge, huge thing that goes on for days and days and days and days. And they, all the brothers take him back and bury him. And then they all come back, and now they just carry on with life in Egypt. Um, and it says that Joseph lived long enough to see his great-great-grandchildren, and uh, then he died. He lived to be 110 years old, and then he died. He had also... Uh, gotten a promise from his family that he would be buried 
back in Canaan that he would not be buried in Egypt. And it says that when he died, they embalmed him. And then the research I was doing said that, that they feel like there's evidence in scripture to say that when they all left with Moses 400 years later, that they took his body with them. So he is supposedly buried in Canaan somewhere. So I thought that was pretty cool. And that is where this whole book ends. But now we have to go back to that sentence, that line, which I just think is so interesting. First of all, the brothers have been dealing with this guilt for 30 years, 30 plus years of selling their brother off. Even all the time they've been living with him in Egypt and they're being taken care of and they're prospering and life is great, they're still dealing with the guilt of what they did to their brother. So now that dad's gone, they're like, the anxiety level rises. They're like, oh no, now that dad's gone, he's gonna get his revenge on us now. They're really freaked out over this. So they come up with this plan and they go and they say, hey, before he died, dad commanded that we say to you, you need to forgive us for what we did. So you need to forgive us for what we did. And it says he wept. And the scholars say he wept because he felt so sad that his brothers still had no idea who he was, that they were still thinking of him as that 17-year-old boy, and they still think that he would be doing that. And that's when he says that line to them, that you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And I really believe that that, for me, I believe that that is the theme of this whole book, if we look at all the things, God has continued to be faithful. He has continued to mean it for good. He has continued to work for our good, despite all the activities and actions of man. The selfishness, the rebelliousness, the anger, all those things, that the poor choices that we can look through and read. But God has continued to be faithful. Why? Because he promised that all the families of the earth will be blessed. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. Man will be redeemed. That was his plan. And this whole book is showing how he continues and continues to be faithful to his promises. His promises don't change because we don't obey because we don't keep up our end of the bargain, so to speak. His promises continue. And you can see that same thing in the New Testament, in Romans, where it says, all things work together for good for those who, whatever the rest of it says, are called, called according to his purpose is the end of it. I know there's some words in there, but you know which one I'm talking about. So that same thing, God is continually working for our good even when we're not, even when we're like, ah, you know, even when we're ready to say bad words because we realized our notes are still at home, you know, and then I laugh because it's like, okay, Lord, I get it. I have my underwear on, so I'm good. It doesn't matter what happens today. I'm good. But we can still have faith in him, in his faithfulness. We can trust his faithfulness. And that really ultimately is my challenge to all of us. I was given this verse a couple weeks ago and I just loved it. So I'm going to give it to you. I can never be a pastor. Could you go, huh? 
talk amongst yourselves. Until <laughs> I find this verse I want to read you. And now that I'm up here, it's like, oh, here it is. I found it. It's, it's not in a chapter I read ever. I <laughs> just want you to know. In a book. It's in Habakkuk. Is that your favorite, anybody? <laughs> um, okay, here's what it says. It's, it just sounds exactly the same. It says in verse, chapter 3, verse 17, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls. I mean, doesn't that sound like their version of, I lost my job, I'm having a hard time putting food on the table, you know, all that kind of stuff. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. To me, that sounds just like what Joseph is saying. All this happened, it's not good. In this case, with his brothers, you meant it for good. But the idea is, it's not good. But God meant it for good. God meant it for good. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Can we say that? I've never been thrown in prison. I've never been a slave. I don't know what that's like. But I have weird things happen in my life. I'm on the way here to give a talk, and I left my notes at home. Yeah, that's this compared to being thrown in prison. But it's what I deal with. I don't deal with going to prison. But I still have to deal with things every day in my life. And can I, do I choose to trust his faithfulness? Do I choose to take joy in the God of my salvation in that moment? And I'll tell you, I'm learning. I don't really know what that even looks like. So in July of 2020, I developed this weird condition. And the doctors have no idea what it is. They assure me I'm not contagious and it's not life-threatening, although I'm not sure how they know. The easiest way to describe it, just for ease, is that it feels like I have the flu. And I've had it every day for 22 months now. Some t days it's severe and I spend most of the day on my bed because I'm a wreck. And some days it's in the middle and I kind of do things and rest and do things and rest. And some days it's mild and I just ignore it totally. But I've had it every single day for now 22 months. Um, and sometimes it's overwhelming. A couple times it has just overwhelmed me. And I feel like emotionally, I'm laying under a giant pile of something and I can't get out. I'm just trapped. I can't move. Well, a week ago, at 5 o'clock in the morning, I am all of a sudden awake, feeling like I am going to throw up any second. I hate that feeling. And I, hadn't, I never have. In the 22 months, I never have. But, so I just lay in bed and am miserable. Anyway, I'm feeling like I'm going to throw up. I am miserable, and then my head starts going crazy. And so by six o'clock, my head is exploding and I feel like I'm going to throw up and I'm trying to get comfortable and I'm not being very successful. And at one point, I felt overwhelmed. I'm just done. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. And I pulled the covers over my head and I was just going to tell my husband, cancel the day, you know, call this person, this person. I'm not doing whatever I'm supposed to do. I'm done. I am just done. 
So I'm laying there literally with my covers over my head, and the Holy Spirit brings this verse to my mind. <laughs> and I'm like, really, God? And so I can't remember the beginning part about the fields and all that, but I do remember the end. And I said, I know, it says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will take joy in the God of my salvation. And I'm like, okay, I said it. I said it. I don't know if I believe it. I don't know if I'm feeling it. I want to feel it, but I don't know that I am right there. I don't even know what it would look like to really mean this right at the moment, but I want to mean it. So I'm having this conversation, <laughs> and so I just repeated it, and God was so merciful, and he let me go to sleep. It was so cool. It was so nice. Well, an hour later, I got a phone call, woke me up. I had the phone call. By the time I was done with the phone call, I was wide awake. Nothing had changed. I still felt like I was going to throw up in my head. It was killing me. But I wasn't under that pile anymore. That pile was not on top of me anymore. And I'm sitting there. It's like, okay, God, okay. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to get up. I'm just going to do my day one step at a time. And it's kind of like, okay, God, let's go because... You have to come too. So I wasn't dancing a jig. I wasn't really happy. But you know what? I wasn't under that pile anymore. And that felt great. And I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe what's going on in your life is you have a two-year-old. I mean, that kind of is like being under a pile sometimes. <laughs> but you know what? That two-year-old's going to grow up and be amazing because you're his mother. But are we under that pile? Or can we say, in the middle of that, Joseph was in prison having a horrible life, and yet he continued to trust God. He continued. And all he had was that little dream he had about the sheaves bowing over. He didn't have this book. We, If we only had Genesis, we have so many pictures of God being faithful. But we don't have Genesis. We've got the whole Bible to remind us of God's faithfulness. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> and are we choosing that? I'm going to start crying again. <sighs> okay. Are we choosing that every day? Can we choose, even if we don't feel like doing a cartwheel, even if we feel horrible, but can we choose to continue to trust? That is my challenge to all of us. I am going to cry. Oh, I hate that. Not when you're talking, you look ugly and you can't be understood. I'll do it back there. Anyway, that is my challenge. That I feel like is a challenge from Genesis that we honestly believe. Oh, you know what else I think is so cool? He, and this is what I want. This is what I want. He lived his life trusting God so much that his jailer, his owner, the pharaoh, all get, gave credit to his God for the blessings in his life. Here he is in a country that's totally different from his. He's a prisoner, blah, 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 all that, you know. But he lived his life so that all those people in charge of him gave credit to his God because of the way he lived. That's what I want. That's what I want to be. A person who lives my life, lives my life in a way that someone goes, that's God. That's God in her life. 
Anyway, let's just pray. I'm going to be done. Let's pray. Father, you are so mighty, and yet in your mightiness, each one of us is important to you. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would prompt us in every situation in our life to remind us of how faithful you are to each one of us. And we just lift all this up in your son's name. Amen.